the old man in the mountains in uh, New Hampshire, if I'm remembering correctly, and I think his oh, hair fell off recently. It's, it somehow recently got damaged. Yeah, they cut off the nose despite the face, you know? Motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure some like drunk like New Englander like knocked it off. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's like way up a mountain. Like you can't get up there. I'm sure some drunk New Englander. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Ryan. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Fuck Target Online Shopping. (laughs) (laughs) And Ryan. (laughs) Dog, listen, uh, I I think I'm going to go ride around my motorcycle, ride my motorcycle around in Crocs and bear shorts. (laughs) What are you, a Polish man? (laughs) What are you you doing? You know, that's like, it seems to be the attire. That's the Polish attire up north. Like, you see guys in flip flops, socks, and a tank top in like the middle of autumn, and you're just like, yep, that guy's uh, Genkuya Barzo, you know? Bro, you see those people around the University of Florida campus year round. It's amazing. Yeah. As as long as you're not like weaving in and out of traffic and like driving between cars all the time. Oh my God. God, That's that's so annoying. Yeah, be the change you want to see in the world, please. Because fuck those people, dude. Uh, I, you know, contrary to me actually buying a crotch rocket, I don't have a death wish. So, you know, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, other than just, you know, normal everyday death wish, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Like, like I occasionally condition. wake up in the morning and I'm like, it'd be cool if I died instead of going to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck this. Like I have a cup of decaf coffee this morning and I would have rather killed myself. <laughs> Not suicidal. Just the normal lapel du vide, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. the call the void. <laughs> decaf, decaf coffee, though. That's straight up like the... Uh, the- Daddy, why do you cry at night when you put the gun in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I, honestly, like, decaf coffee is a topic I could go on forever, you know? It's, it's like, it's like, like non-alcoholic chicory. beer. Why even? It's, it's also that and, like, the uh, the caffeine, the caffeine-free um, Coke, especially oh, if it's bro. caffeine-free diet Coke. Nah, that's caffeine-free, fucking... sugar-free Coke. You're like, bro, yeah. stop it. Like, yeah. just, drink, just drink just a drink flavored water. seltzer. I just hear, uh, I think it's adamant. It's like, you don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? I'm like, why the fuck are you buying this? Like, you you might as well drink water. Absolutely. Like, you know? Right. Or drink some crystal light, you know? <laughs> I Well, I assume, like, <laughs> non-alcoholic beers for people who are, like, Alcoholics who are like who are like alcoholics and they just they just need it. That's the only possible reason we've had. I had this discussion recently with my wife as the only possible reason you could have O'Doul's in your fridge. You know, what about people that like the taste of beer but are sober? Because that cause that I, has I to be a small number well, of people. Well, well, here's the thing. Like while I do enjoy like the taste of taste of beer. I do not enjoy the taste of the level of beer that most non-alcoholic beer is on. No, no, and beer tastes better as you drink because it's got alcohol in it. If it doesn't, you're just drinking beer water. Like that's not good. Okay, just drink, so just drink like Kvass. But so okay, so you know how like sell to me, baby. Okay. <laughs> It's a step down, okay? You're trying – okay, you're an alcoholic. You want to stop drinking, but I, you can't stop immediately because said, you know, that's, really, that's really unsafe. So you step right. down to O'Doul's kind of like if you're a smoker. You can't go from Camel Ultra Wide unfiltered to nothing. Oh, you got to step down Ultra to like – got to step down to like Marlboro Reds and then like Virginia Slim and then you could quit. Virginia Slim, the pimp, yeah. I uh, – <laughs> dude – 
I fucking I used to love Camel Ultra Wides because we were convinced that you get extra smoking out of it. But then, like Jesus after a li- after yeah, a little while, extra carcinogens. In it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't give a shit back then. I was a fucking. I was a te- like late teens, early twenties. I was indestructible. Yeah, yeah, ever ever since the uh, the woke moralists took away the asbestos in the cigarettes, you know, we've been at the mercy of cancer. Yeah, you got. That's what happened. It's actually I mean, not a, it's just the higher incidence rate of, of lung cancer, but smoking really doesn't cause lung cancer. Correct. <laughs> I'm just joking. I was I want to see if either of you were like, no, no. what? I was, I, I was with you. Oh, man, you almost had me. I was like, correct. wait a minute. <laughs> no, there's... The Tobacco Council of America has already gotten to Steve. I read an article yeah. recently that was just basically, it wasn't like apologizing for cigarettes, but it was trying to figure out why not everyone who smokes gets lung cancer, which is actually a real thing. Like, not everybody who's, most people well, who smoke don't get lung cancer. They get emphysema. Well, I, would, I told I you, would, my grandfather smoked for like 50, 60 years. He's still yeah, fucking smoking. And he probably died would, of something else, cancer, right? No, he's still, I, he's still fucking smoking. Are you still I, smoking? <laughs> I, would, I would say, though, that the reason why that happens is, is it's not really like, because it, it's like almost like playing the lottery, but with it's, better odds. That's exactly right? what it is. Yeah, because, because <laughs> you're selling the cellular division that occurs. Every time you smoke a cigarette, the cellular division that occurs, there's a possibility that you're going to fuck up the DNA. Yeah. And then you're going to have cancer. There's just And the possibility is drastically increased by smoking. It's just, it, it just it is. It increases over time, but yeah. yeah. When you, they say when you're like 24 or 25, if you quit then, that you basically restore all your lung function. So as long as you weren't like a complete prick about smoking. And yeah, that's what I did. So I'm happy. <laughs> But if yeah, I could no, go I back to smoking, smoking like, right now, I would. And I would no, definitely do it. No, 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 I mean, like, if it was healthy, like, if it wasn't going to hurt me, I would get what on Ryan's motorcycle, <laughs> and I'd put on a pair of Crocs and a tank top, and I'd smoke a fucking Marlboro White. <laughs> Bro, you're like the James Dean of 2023. Nah, dude. Well, well free falling, like, blasts yeah. in the background. Absolutely. And I'm free, free falling. No, I just I had two hold. Yeah, no, fuck that. We ain't doing that. No Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess in the South, right? That would that you'd have to do Jacks- that. Jacksonville's own Leonard Skinner. Yeah, we'd have to do Tom Petty. Anyway, yeah, Gainesville's Gainesville's own. Speaking Tom of Petty. dead celebrities, <laughs> speaking of Tom Petty, uh, today we're going to be talking about life in the solar system, um, mainly uh, because. What? It's sort of an interesting topic because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Do you mean like here or, or where specifically? <laughs> well, well, mainly on planets other than Earth. Ah. Um, so, so essentially, the uh, the capability of life to exist on other planets um, or bodies in the solar system, because this is a, a point of interest too. Because you know, like um, though Elon hasn't been on it as much, you know, his whole like going to Mars thing. Uh, we'll we'll talk about why that's like a very bad idea to go to Mars anytime in probably a century. Yeah. Um, and, and also too, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a certain crank that, that loves to talk about lost civilizations, um, on both the moon and Mars. Uh, one Richard C. Hoagland. Ah, yes. Uh, the Sidonia project. Yeah. Yeah. I love Richard Hoagland, by the way. He is a fucking lunatic. Yeah. yeah. He is, he is a, he is a pathological liar. And he, he reminds me of the, um, the shock jock, uh, Mancow Mueller. Just examine because, the images, Steve. You're going to find it. There's ancient <laughs> aliens. Because he'll, like, tell a lie, and then he'll just build on that lie. Like, he went from being, like, a big Star Trek fan to, uh, on his website, he talks about how he was, like, his close friend Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I used to, we used to the, give for, each other... For, 
handy jays in the in the writers room. <laughs> For those of us that are not nerds, um, who is that guy that you just mentioned? Uh, Gene Roddenberry is the creator of Star Trek. Ah, okay. Is that that's the one where they use lightsabers, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, technically he's not wrong because you know when you shoot the uh, the phaser, it definitely has a laser out of it, right? True, but the. But actually, Steve, the, uh, the lightsaber of its plastic. <laughs> the elven girls are so beautiful. Um, technically, that if you want to get technical about the situation, once the you have seen them, is actually trademarked by George Lucas in 1972. You'll uh, always be looking of, of for the, weapon. the beautiful elven girls. <laughs> There's a there's an old SNL bit I always think of, and it's it, it's actually like William Shatner at a convention. And then he just like goes off on like all of the, uh, the the attendees about how much he hates them and how stupid Star Trek is. And then they come up and like whisper to him. And then he just says like, "Oh, that was that was me being the evil uh, Captain Kirk from that episode where he got duplicated oh by the transporter." <laughs> <laughs> I actually love all of you. <laughs> oh my god! Just post through it there, Willie. Um. So within the solar system, uh. There, there's sort of a debate as to whether or not um, other bodies within the solar system um, can uh, support life. Um, we're mainly going to focus on everything from like Mars towards the sun. Um, so nothing beyond the Kuiper belt. So nothing like um, like Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury, Uranus, or not Mercury, uh, Uranus, uh, Neptune, like and Pluto, because they're, they're so far out and they're also gas giants that the ability of them to support life um, is less and less, and, and for a number of other reasons. Um, one of the theories is that if they do exist, that they're probably uh, microorganisms um, and some type of like extreme microorganism that can survive uh, large amounts of like radiation um, and, and all sorts of other sort of hazards, um, such as like lack of oxygen or, or other sort of like extreme um, environments, like temperatures when these planets are like a thousand degrees on their well, surface. Well, well, temperatures and also, like, a planet whose, like, atmosphere is almost entirely made of, like, carbon dioxide and sulfuric acid. Right, but that's what we have things like evolution for, correct? Yes, but but it gets to a point where, like, you, you can't, like, you, you can't evolve. You can only evolve so far. Like, like conditions have to be good enough that you can survive to evolve. Like, it, it's not just going to, like, you know, magically, like, like adapt to it, like. Like a T one thousand or something. Yeah, like um, what you're doing right now most, is you are th- most you're of evolution. About evolution in the context of in the context of humans. Right. So you're only thinking of how humans well, will convert things to energy, well, and it, it, when we talk about life in other places, it, it, we we tend to what's the word anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize anthropomorphize these other bodies when it's like there's no way they could look like humans. They might not even be visible to us. Well, what? Mainly what I'm going off of is the ability for an organism to survive in that environment and then uh, produce, you know, its fitness. Um, Correct. And, and, and sort of like th- these environments... Evolution is th- about survival. Th- that these sort of environments don't really give um, in any sort of way for, uh, like, fitness to, to happen. Um, because uh, the theory is that a lot of, like, the other plants in the solar system, that they were different, um, like, millions of years ago and so on. Um, and then they... Um, went through a radical change at some point um, that destroyed, for instance, like all water on the planet. Um, and and some of these, like, we're very aware of these changes, like Mars, which we'll talk about, um, because Mars has no tectonic um, activity at all. 
So when you look at the surface of Mars, you're essentially looking at the same surface that was there millions of years ago. Um, so you're not really going to see like you're, you're going to see any changes that really happen because, you know, there's not a lot of things other than like the wind and other things which we'll talk about, which will disturb that. Didn't they um, find some water on Mars recently? There, like there is of water. There, yeah. there is uh, Mars. Uh, there is water on Mars um, around the North Pole, um, and in certain craters on Mars, there are deposits of ice um, that seem to form around the uh, winter uh, time um, on Mars. You yep. know what that means? If there's water, there's definitely at least bacteria on that planet. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, according to NASA's uh, 2015 astrobiology strategy, uh, life on other worlds is most likely to include microbes. And any complex living system elsewhere is likely to have arisen from and be founded upon microbial life. Important insights on the limits of microbial life can be gleaned from the studies of microbes on modern Earth, as well as their uh, ubiquity um, and ancestral characteristics. Hmm. Um, because, like, within Earth, um, researchers have found, like, a, a lot of different, like, subterranean organisms, a, a lot of them microbial, uh, deep underground, um, and that... Um, it's believed that 70% of the total number of Earth's bacteria um, and our archaea organisms, uh, which are which are sort of like similar to bacteria, like microscopic organisms, um, are within the Earth's crust. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's like uh, pizza, like most of the flavors in the crust, you know? Yeah. That's that's why you get the flavored crust? That's right. <laughs> Fucking goddamn <laughs> right, dudes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Rick Colwell. Uh, Who's a member of the Deep Carbon Observatory Who? Uh, team? Uh, Rick Colwell. Colwell. Okay. All right. Um, who's a member of the uh, Deep Carbon Observatory at Oregon Sounds State? Sounds evil. Deep Carbon. Um, he told the BBC, um, I think it's probably reasonable to assume that the subsurface of other planets and their moons are habitable, especially since we've seen here on Earth that organisms can function far away from sunlight using the energy provided directly from the rocks deep underground. That's how I function, um, honestly. Like, the rocks deep underground. <laughs> in the morning, I have to, like, jump up and down and get them to jostle, you know? Uh, or else I can't well, even know, get moving. Well, you know, I have to I have to lay on a rock under a lamp in order to get going. Yeah. I'm like Mark absolutely. Summers. I just say it's time for a physical challenge. I was in the memes thread on SA earlier, and there was a fucking meme of uh, Operation. But instead of the uh, tweezers, it was just all little holes to pour essential oils into. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop fucking laughing. <laughs> oh man, this is what the hands. woke left wants. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Can we just like? Uh, can we just take the transcript of our podcast and have it go through that that AI generated uh, Biden like uh, Trump Obama voice filter? Yeah, <laughs> bro. <laughs> who gets? Do we roll dice for who gets to be who? I th- let's I make Steve oh. Obama and then. <laughs> Oh. No, let's make Steve Trump. What's no. wrong with you? Yeah, Steve's gonna be Trump. They're <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying it more and more. <laughs> they're saying there's life on Mars. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And if I sit here and smoke enough, I can sound like Joe Biden and just start stumbling over my words and mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, Jack. <laughs> Give me an ice cream. <laughs> Sorry, I get the munchies. Give me an ice cream. Sense. My headset's messing up. No, I can hear you fine. I'm not even going to cut it no, out. I was no, like, charging-wise that the cable was being finicky. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, you don't want that. Finicky cables is the worst. Um, so, it's believed that Mars um, 
possibly has, you know, a, a, a subsurface environment where uh, microbial life can exist. Um, and it's also believed that um, that beneath uh, the, the oceans of one of Jupiter's moons, uh, Europa, um, that it might be uh, habitable. And it's considered one of the most likely uh, habitable areas in the solar system outside of Earth um, for these types of organisms. They recently found more moons. I think it was 12 additional moons on Jupiter, by the way. So Jupiter now has 92 moons. <laughs> I'm not joking. Christ. It has 92 moons. It's fucking crazy. You know, I just say one is enough, you know. <laughs> it's like the reality. Uh, to me, like, Jupiter and other planets comparisons are the, one of those topics that you can tell someone, but they don't get it. Like, the scale difference. And the idea yeah. that there could be a planet that's so much bigger and has 92 moons compared to our one, right? That's just yeah. that's one of those great like ways to like tell someone you really don't understand how insignificant you are, you know? Um, um, I just learned a new word um, when I Googled Mars mm. uh, called panspermia. Oh, yeah, panspermia. Are... Yeah, which I was, I was actually just about to talk about. Yeah, let, oh, yeah. right. You Let's took, go. The, you took yeah. the panspermia right out of Steve's <laughs> mouth. God damn it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Speaking of things that sound vulgar but aren't, <laughs> Jesus I was, I was, is that is that considered snowball? <laughs> god damn it! I swear to God, I was trying to work away, find a joke to, way, to work snowballing in. I just couldn't do it. This guy um, just took the pants spermia right out of my mouth. There's there's also a theory that um, that extraterrestrial life found elsewhere in the solar system could have possibly originated from Earth and vice versa. Meaning that you know, for instance, um, if like large sections of the earth were say dislodged by a like a meteorite say like the meteorite that that killed the dinosaurs um bits of those rocks could have found their way um to other places in the solar system and then they could have seeded life there so in, we're in just some way. we're just gonna assume dinosaurs existed in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna preach the controversy you're starting a lot of com you're starting a lot of conflict here no oh, man um and, and also possibly too that life could have uh, that life could have seeded the Earth from elsewhere, um, not not in sort of like an ancient aliens way, but in that you know conversely that that a space rock could have How, slammed you into know, the Earth. You know, I noticed about you things. you take any shot to defame and deride the great wisdom of Giorgio <laughs> Sukolokos. Like you seem to just take pleasure in it. <laughs> I know I shouldn't attack such a man, you know, a scientist. He is an eminent, <laughs> eminent scientist. <laughs> Just taking as, pot as shots at him. I'm surprised. I'll give you credit where credit's due. You've never said word one about his hairdo. <laughs> you know, I'm so not going to hit him low. You've got to punch up. <laughs> if, we, if we know that all modern life forms descended from one single-celled organism do we, from, like, do we, billions of years ago. Do we, well, right? we, have an do we know idea. that? I don't think we know that. Yes, we, we, have no, good, pretty, we have a good I idea. that's a we hypothesis. Have, no, yeah, that's, the, that's not, like, they, there is a, a genome study that, like, they know that there is a single-celled organism from, like, a couple billions of years ago this that is everything where, has descended I'll from. stop talking, but this is where I'm going to insert over the recording of Ryan talking that the trilateral Troika doesn't know of this study. Oh, my God. <laughs> hang on. I'll, I'll give you, hang on a minute. <laughs> If you're going to look up the study, I'm going to ask you to read the URL exactly as it appears in the address bar. <laughs> All right, ready? H is in hotel, T is in tango, <laughs> T is in tango, P is in bitch, shut up. Article. It's a salon article. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's yeah, like a we, hypothesis, but we don't know. Yeah, we we have a good we have a good idea. It's just that we don't have you know the like like I'm sure that like some like young Earth creationists like they always love to pop that out or those other people and be like, well, you don't have the exact one, but we have like a very good idea. Yeah. Um, which a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about here with these planets, um, it's based on stuff that we have a good idea of how it works, um, such as like magnetospheres. But we don't really uh, know exactly how they work. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the things we've learned about these planets have sort of, like, um, gone against, like, what we initially thought about these, like, mechanics. Okay. Um, So, uh, Mercury is the closest planet to the sun and is, like, one of the least likely candidates for life um, in the solar system. Um, And it it hasn't had a lot of interest due to the difficulty in observing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because uh, the way uh, Mercury moves around the sun... Um, and as closest to the sun, it, it made it difficult for like early astronomers to like see it. Um, so they, they weren't really as fixated on it. Um, so it spins on its own axis very slowly. Um, <clears throat> and because of that, its surface temperature is between um, 801 degrees Fahrenheit to uh, minus 279 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. Man. Um, so we've only sent um three probes to mercury um because it's incredibly difficult to get to mercury uh which which i'll discuss um but a lot of uh sort of the interest in it comes from the first probe which was mariner 10 mariner Um, 10 yeah mariner 10 is the name of the the probe um and uh and this is because um they were able to see um how it uh revolved around the sun because initially they thought it, it had a very simple, um, uh, like a highly elliptical orbit around the sun. Um, and so the planet, which had been observed through uh, ground-based telescopes, um, and Meritor 10 uh, provided um, sort of information that, that clarified or uh, contradicted a lot of what we thought about the planet. Um, so the, the probe detected that Mercury's magnetic field is actually uh, very similar to Earth's. Um, which upset a lot of what we thought because they, they believe that the, uh, the speed at which a planet spun, uh, was what caused like the magnetic field, the, the okay. magnetosphere and the <clears throat> magnetosphere is very important because it's what protects us from like solar radiation, um, and, and other radiation from space. Um, so without that, um, you're, you're not going to have a lot of protection it's and also, you're going to be uh, like, more vulnerable to it. Yeah. The so magnetosphere is, it, is very important. Is it the other way around that the magnetosphere dictates the the spin or are they just not no. Really at all? Well, well no no it's like like think of it like a dynamo like like a dynamo spins and it generates an electrical field the idea is that the spin of the planet um caused the magnetosphere um but generally the theory is now is that it's the core of the planet that causes the magnetosphere because uh, for instance uh, mm-hmm. mars which we'll talk about doesn't have a magnetosphere okay. um so and, and like i mentioned mars doesn't have any tectonic activity which leads us to believe that mars's core is inert yeah. Um, also, or, or the uh, as a as a ham radio guy, the magnetosphere and ionosphere are very important to me. <laughs> and uh, as a car guy, I love the '90s Mercury Cougar. Now that we're talking about Mercury, <laughs> uh, specifically the XR7, wow, it's a piece of mechanical beauty. Um, so Mars One, uh, or I say Mercury, uh, for instance, um, like I said, it spins very slowly, um, which goes against what they originally thought. Um, and, and sort of like disturbed the, the theory of how like magnetospheres work. Um, and second of all, um, they, they found that um, Mercury itself didn't have a lot of um, like sort of tectonic activity as well because they observed a high number of craters on the surface of the planet. 
Um, and this suggests that um, that Mercury had not experienced any um, significant uh, crustal modification. Um, okay. So, so this sort of adds to the um, adds to the mystery as well, uh, because it goes against it, it sort of challenges that theory to a degree that there is a, a molten dynamo effect within the core of the planet, um, and because it hasn't had many crustal um, sort of modification over time, it leads them to believe that you know the planet itself is not really like changing that much. Would you say that it's Uncrustable. <laughs> um, Listen, I just had one of those today. It was delicious. Stop. Like I agree what? that they're delicious, but I like the crust. So you know no, what? I mean? what? I like the crust. I'm a big fan yeah. of crust. I only like crust on a deep dish pizza. Otherwise, get that shit out of my face. Yeah, that's just. Um, are you sure you're not Japanese? Because that's weird. <laughs> but. But much like um, which which none of the none of the the kombini sandwiches you buy in Japan they don't have crust. Um, so really, yeah, yeah they, they cut all the usually cr- Japanese people cut the crust off of. Everything. Yeah, they're usually like like triangular, oh. like um, like sandwiches, like gas station sandwiches. Yeah, well, that's, that's what a kombini is. It's a convenience store, um, but but they they cut the crust off. Okay, way to way to call me out on my on my uh, cultural ignorance there, Steve. <laughs> Um, because, That's what like, it is, Ryan. <laughs> because, like I mentioned, uh, the the surface of the planet hasn't changed very much. They they assume um, they they can easily um, easily tell like how old it is um, because they can see like the damage over time and, and sort of see which is which is older and which is newer um, by analyzing sort of the surface of the planet. Um, okay. I, I think I think one of the reasons why too it, it has a lot of craters um, is the next thing we'll talk about is that um, it's very difficult to get to Mercury. Um, because uh, Mercury orbits the Sun very quickly, um, it goes about uh, 24.25 miles per second, um, or, or between 24.25 uh, miles per second and 30 miles per second um, around the around the Sun. Um, so scientists, uh, they, the spacecrafts have to be traveling really fast to reach it. Um, and Mercury's close proximity to the Sun also means that um, you're caught within the gravity well of the Sun. Um, so any craft approaching Mercury have to apply um, uh, sort of like an extra burn um, in order to prevent being pulled away from Mercury into the sun. Bro, I've played Kerbal Space Program. It, it, I, you, <laughs> this shit is the hardest thing I have ever. Like, and okay, let's be fair. I am not a stupid person, right? Like, I, I, I do have some intelligence. I felt as dumb as a fucking brick. When I played Kerbal Space Program, where they were like, just launch it into the, just launch it into orbit. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to crash into the side of the planet. The people that do the math <clears throat> and do the engineering to get these rockets to where they need to be so precisely, they're within like feet. And you're talking about millions, like hundreds of millions of miles away. It is nothing short of just mind boggling how awesome that is. Uh, yeah, it is. It's amazing. Yeah. And I hate, like, I'm a big fan. That's that's one of the reasons I get so mad about, like, anti-vaxxers and shit. Like, the amount of science and academia and study that goes into making sure that these things work. Like, it, it's, it boggles my mind that, like, some douchebag can come over to me like, just have uh, uh, vinegar with every meal and you'll never get COVID. <laughs> it's like, don't listen to your doctor at all. You know, they don't. They don't know anything. These doctors, they don't know anything. And it's just like, you stupid motherfucker. You do I not spend you, so you do not spend twelve years in school and twelve years in residency and have zero information. It makes no 
ah, this one trick really pisses off all the doctors. Like, no, it doesn't. Shut it just pisses them off because they're annoyed with you. Yeah. They're just like, oh, go fuck uh, The problem is that you're eating too many plasticizers and not enough apple cider vinegar, you know? Nah, the problem is up. you didn't shove an eggplant up your ass today yeah. and uh, you know chug some bleach. I just feel like that's okay. that's one of the biggest problems with education right now too. It's just, it's just the idea that some of these fields are so crazily like precise, you know, and it's yeah. just like people just deride and de- like defame them because they can't find Sidonia. Um, the <laughs> um, what like one of the issues too is that Mercury doesn't have an atmosphere. Um, so you can't use air braking um, to enter into uh, to, to sort of land on Mercury. Um, so you can't rely on the atmosphere um, to like atmospheric resistance to slow down the aircraft or the the spaceship. So you have to use uh, like rocket thrust to do it. So that requires even more fuel. Yeah, um, it actually requires um, unlike more fuel. the Mercury Marauder, which has disc brakes. <laughs> <laughs> But it um, it actually requires uh, more fuel to go from Earth to Mercury than it does to leave the uh, solar system. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, now, you, listen, you sh- I may be a little bit uneducated here, but why can't we just shoot the rocket at the planet? Well, that's well, that's the thing. You <laughs> shoot at the planet, and then you have to, you know, catch up with the planet. You what you to- mean catch up with? You just hit it. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there waiting for us. You tell me this plane is flying by. You can't hit it. He's flying by like, like, like my, like my Ford Ranger hit hit that city bus the other week. You just hit it as it drives by. Oh my god. The uh, the the gravity of Mercury though is about the same as Mars, uh, which is about point uh, three seventy seven uh, g's. Um, so like Earth's gravity is like one g. Um, and then so any and so the other planets, you know, they, they either have more or less. So they have about 37 um, percent of the gravity that Earth has. So you're, you're not going to um, you're not going to have a lot of weight there, uh, but it's also going to negatively impact you over time. Well, uh, OK, gotcha. Um, so Venus was a, a, a candidate that um, <clears throat> that people until the 1960s thought would be a good candidate for like Earth like um, sort of conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it was believed that the that sort of like uh, Venus itself was similar to Earth, um, and that um, in, in 1870 a British astronomer uh, Richard A. Proctor um, said the um, uh, argued that the existence of life on Venus was impossible near its equator, uh, but possible near its poles. Um, and this is because it's a lot closer to the sun uh, than Earth is. Um, <laughs> so the equator on on Venus is definitely going to be you know hotter. Than, than say like the equatorial regions on Earth, um, right? But but science fiction writers until uh, like the sixties, uh, they speculated that that Venus itself was probably full of like jungles, um, or that it had um, oceans of petroleum or, or carbonated water. Hmm. Okay, um, just a fucking also- just an ocean of uh, of Lacroix. Yeah. <laughs> This is Lacroix oceans. That's why we can't just, go just there. Just a hint. Just a hint of lemon. The Lacroix people are going to be very <laughs> upset. We think that there might have been lemons at some point on Venus, but they're long gone. But you can find no. Actually, the, actually, excuse me, Steve. Salt water. I'm sorry. Uh, seltzer water seas on Venus are about as close to lemons as as what Lacroix is. 
<laughs> it's like if you add salt water, or I'm sorry, seltzer on Venus, and you and that's how close to lemon flavor we get here at Lacroix. Um, there were um, there there were in the in the fifties there were done um, sort of uh, microwave observations of the planet, like looking at like microwave waves from it. Um, and they got sort of uh, conflicting um, things about it. Uh, one, um, uh, C. Mayer, a, um, a scientist, um, he, he found indications that there was a high temperature source there. Well, uh, a millimeter-based observation by A.D. Kuzman um, indicated that there were uh, much lower temperatures. Okay. Um, and... And so there was sort of this debate as whether or not it would have a, a hot or um, cold uh, surface temperature. Um, but in 1962, uh, Mariner 2 uh, was the first successful uh, probe sent to Venus, um, and it measured the planet's temperature for the first time and found it to be about 900 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy shit. Um, so uh, various probes. Uh, the Soviet Union was also very interested in Venus, um, I, I think because they knew that the United States was interested in Mars. So that they were going to go for for Venus because they they assumed it would also be another um, sort of like Mars like body in space. It's your ass to Mars. Um, but it became um, <laughs> but it became more and more Great. evident that hmm, give him the goddamn air. <laughs> <laughs> give him the goddamn air. <laughs> uh, so it became uh, increasingly clear that Venus itself had like a very extreme climate. Um, that the planet itself has a, a greenhouse effect that generates a constant temperature of around uh, 932 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface. Holy um, shit. Okay. Uh, most of the atmosphere right. is composed of uh, carbon dioxide um, and the uh, and also contains uh, sulfuric acid clouds. Um, in 1968, NASA also reported that the air pressure on Venus's surface was around 75 to 100 times that of Earth. Um, it was later revised to be about 92 bars, which is uh, almost 100 times uh, that of Earth's, um, and similar uh, to being around uh, 3,300 feet deep in the ocean. Mm. You said um, it was called 92 bars? Bars, like like a, like a measurement of like air pressure. Wait a minute. Like a measurement of M&M's wrapping ability? <laughs> yeah. 92 <laughs> bars. Wait. That number sounds familiar. There's 92 bars of pressure on Venus, and there's 92 moons on Jupiter. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Ill- Illuminati confirmed. Illuminati confirms. God damn it. Um, so it, it seems very unlikely that um, that that uh, that life as we know it would be able to survive on um, Venus's surface. Right. Um, and Venus itself also has no magnetosphere. Yeah, so you can't do ham radio. Yeah, no, no ham, <laughs> big no, no ham radio. Yeah, I'll never womp, go. Womp. Fuck them. Um, but uh, Venus does have uh, one of the closest to Earth's gravity in the solar system, where it's about point nine zero five. So it's about ninety percent of Earth's gravity, which means you know you can eat a little more and you'll weigh, you know, not as much. That's sweet. So I can eat that much more ginger candy. All right. Um. So part of the theories of like how they would like send like a manned mission to Venus that NASA has come up with are usually that they would be up in the higher atmosphere, that they believe that um, in, in the upper atmosphere above the clouds, you could possibly uh, have some type of like microbial life um, and that it would be possible, you know, for like a scientific, like sort of like blimp observatory to exist up there. Um, but like anything below that would, would not be able to last in the conditions. How long are we talking? Could you last? Do you think? Well, 
it's around uh well you got you got the sulfuric acid and the conditions um and the fact that it is around uh 3300 feet in the ocean so that's like the equivalent of i think the marianas trench mariana trench yeah The Marinara Trench, the ma- which is <laughs> well, that's- which is the uh, it's the like the divot that's made in the marinara sauce by the first person to dip their mozzarella sticks in it. That's the Marinara <laughs> Trench. Well, the uh, the the, Mar- the Mariana Trench is is thirty six thousand two hundred one feet at the bottom, um, so it's not as bad as that. Um, Do you say thirty six thousand feet? Yeah. Holy um, but, shit. But the equivalent right. of being on Venus is around being in what they call the um, the, the twilight zone of the of the ocean. Yeah. So imagine uh, if you will. Rod, Rod Sterling <laughs> appears. And, um, but that, but that, <laughs> but imagine if you will. Grown adults having sex. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's about the depth that um, that like uh, sperm whales go. Mm. Um, that, that's around what their maximum depth is. Uh, What's your depth. obsession with sperm this episode? Yeah, panspermia, <laughs> sperm whales. <laughs> I don't know. You know, just just came to me. I get it. I get it. I got the joke there. Because you said, you, he asked you, what's your obsession with sperm? And you said it just came to me. I get it. Um, the moon. <laughs> I'm surprised Ryan didn't laugh immediately at that. That was a good joke. But. I was trying to hold it in. The, the moon, uh, we think that around uh, 3.5 to 4 billion years ago that the moon could have had a magnetic uh, field around it and an atmosphere um, and possibly liquid water on its surface. Um, but um, there, there's nothing there now. Um, mm. It's believed, you know, that there are... Um, that possibly um there's water in areas like inside of the moon um but we haven't really found any large like uh depositories of it okay um and and we have not found any any life on the moon as well um and we've not found any life of like life formerly existing there in moon rocks and soil uh which is something we have a lot of um Mm -hmm. and, and also something too like uh, apparently like moon rocks get stolen and stuff and they get sold to like private individuals um, but moon rocks are also like apparently like very uh, carcinogenic, um, so you, so you should not have them. <laughs> really? Yeah, that they're like that that like like if if you like if you're just like handling a moon rock, like apparently the dust can like give you like terminal cancer. Like like it's Holy really bad. Shit. Holy it's, shit! It's it's like a, it's like an asbestos level. Like the thing is though like is object. that you know I th- you I could tell me radiated. that, but they're delicious, and I'm not going to stop eating them. <laughs> Basically. That's because they're they're a lot meatier than an earth rock. Yeah, you know, and I got pica, so I need moon rocks. All right, My I just God. like the texture got personally. That, I'm a texture guy. <laughs> uh. Um, and the moon's gravity as well is about uh point uh one six five seven, um, so about sixteen percent of what Earth's gravity is. Um, the these differ too depending on where you are on the planet, which which I also think a that that earth's gravity also is different at different points on the planet but in like a minute way Mm -hmm. um so it's similar on there um and with mars um mars was generally considered one of to be the best candidates for uh life similar to earth's due to its uh proximity to the sun being very similar to earth um and also um just just the fact that it was um easily observable um Mm. so there, there's sort of beliefs that um, that's just that um, in sort of like in ancient 
times on uh, Mars that there had been liquid water and that had been habitable for microorganisms, but those um, but those conditions do not necessarily mean that life existed there. Interesting. Okay. Um, uh, initial searches for life on Mars began in the 19th century, um, and this was mainly done through um, telescopic investigations, um, and also later on, um, once we get into the 20th century, uh, with sending up probes. Um, so a lot of it, um, it sort of like is, is almost based in like fantasy, um, and that um, and, and that just sort of like observing and looking for traces of life, like like sort of like cities or, or roads or things like that. Whereas like modern inquiry is more based on finding sort of like water and other signatures of, of life once existing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the canals, the, the, there was a theory that there were canals on Mars, uh, which was first, um, which was first coined by a guy named um, Angelo uh, Secchi, um, who is a, in 1858, um, he observed what he said were, were canale or, or canals on Mars. Um, and he started uh, naming them such as uh, canale um, Atlantico, um, for what uh, came to be known as um, the Sirtis uh, uh, Major uh, Planum on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these uh, 19th century um, observations were obviously made without the use of photography. Um, so astronomers had to stare for hours uh, through their telescopes, uh, waiting, uh, waiting to get like a clear image of Mars, um, and then had to draw a picture of what they saw in order to document. Wow. Um, okay. So at that time, what year was this? This is like the 19th century. So we're we're talking about like late 1800s. So pre pre photography, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. Or or pre the ability to use like photography in that way. Okay. Because because yeah because photography has existed from before like the American Civil War. Like like we have we have for instance like daguerreotypes. Yeah. Like I, Andrew Jackson. And stuff. Right. 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 Um, yeah, but can you really call? I mean, yes, it's photography, but like you had to stand there for like 30, 40 minutes for them to actually like you know, stand well, still for look, like 20 minutes. Look, if you want this fucking picture, you'll hold still, you little shit. <laughs> well, well, yeah, so that, that's also why you couldn't use it for, you know, that purpose because, you know, the way like they, they hadn't really discovered how to use like white aperture and stuff like that to, to like capture motion. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so at that time, astronomers assumed that Mars had a uh, substantial atmosphere, um, and they knew that the uh, length of a day on Mars was almost the same as Earth's, um, and they knew that, um, that the way that um, Mars tilted on its axis was also very similar to Earth, uh, which meant that it most likely had uh, seasons and, and other things like Earth in a, in a meteorological sense. Hmm. Um, they could also see uh, Mars's polar ice caps shrinking and growing uh, with these changing seasons, um, and also um, seeing um, darker um, albedo features um, on, on Mars, such as those at, at Sirtis Major, um, on the lighter uh, surface, um, they saw that as being like oceans. Um, I but, see, I see. But by the 1920s, um, it, it came to be uh, believed generally by scientists that Mars itself was dry um, and had very low atmospheric pressure. Okay. Um, in 1889, an American astronomer, Charles A. Young, uh, reported that um, Schiaparelli's uh, canal discovery of 1877 um, had been confirmed in 1881 um, and started recording new canals that appeared that had not been seen before, prompting a, um, a lot of questions about um, their, their origin. Okay. 
Um, and also in 1892, uh, W.H. Pickering observed numerous small circular black spots occurring at every intersection or starting point of these uh, alleged canals. Okay. Um, so many, <laughs> so so many of these who had been seen by um, Schiaparelli um, as, as sort of like large dark patches, um, and that they were described as being seas or lakes. Ah, um, I see. We're like doing that thing to you now where like, you know, when somebody's talking and you haven't found the way to get in the conversation yet and you're just like, that's crazy. Um, but, <laughs> but because uh, it's wild, but because, man. But because uh, Pickering, his observatory was in um, Arequipa, uh, Peru, about uh, 2,400 uh, 2400, uh, yards above the sea level um, with uh, – with the atmospheric conditions not being the same and him being able to get a clearer, um, clearer picture of Mars, um, his was considered to be more accurate because he had about a doubling of the telescopic aperture. Mm. Hmm. Um, Very interesting. That's crazy. Um, and a doubling, you said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. And, and one person to be a big proponent of this was uh, Percival uh, Lowell, um, who you've probably heard. I of. like the name Percival. I think it's a, I think that's I a solid okay. name, but if you call me Percy, then we have a problem. You know what I mean? So uh, during during what's called the the opposition uh, periods of 1892 and 1894, um, seasonal color changes on Mars were also reported. Um, as the uh, polar snows melted, I, ha- the, I have Jason's, those. You know, <laughs> op- oppositions. No seasonal color changes. <laughs> seasonal color changes. Yeah. What are you a fucking tree? Hey, I, mean, I go outside in the sun more, and then in the summer, and I get a little tan. What are you a fucking maple? What are you? What are you? Some kind of elm? What are you? Huh? Teak? Look at look at fucking Fakakta tree boy are over you here. Fakakta tree boy, huh? Mister Spruce over the sand huh? guy. Man, huh? changing color like he's huh? trying to show huh? off or something. Why don't, you, why don't you put your boots in, tree boy? <laughs> Jesus. Um, Keep running your leaves, and we'll chop you down. You're all right. Um. So they they reported that um. That, that the polar snows were melting into adjacent seas that would appear to overflow and spread out as far Wait, as the adjacent topic. seas or adjacent seas adjacent <laughs> seas <sighs> come on that was funny did, did i say okay so quick interjection no. quick sidebar did i send you the video of the guy where he was making fun of like a history class mm. and he was talking the professor was talking about the uh, the Falkland Islands the Falkland Islands oh yeah it was like the, the Brooklyn guy was like what Falkland Islands are you talking about he's like the Falkland <laughs> Islands, like, Falkland Falkland Islands you talking about, about? Uh, uh, which <laughs> ones I feel like that's where you're, 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 you're just kind of, <laughs> I feel like that's what you're like leading into right there. <laughs> which ones? Which fucking islands you're talking about? Adjacent seas huh? or adjacent seas? Which one are you talking about? Jodeci? R&B? Hot, uh, super band Jodeci? <laughs> hey, moron, look at the map. <laughs> but as I, as I mentioned before, all of these observations are being done by guys who are just like staring for hours into a telescope, waiting for a clear image. Um, and then just like sort of like drawing what they saw. Yep. Um, Guys will stare into a clear telescope for hours waiting for an image and draw what they see, but they'll still cut you off in traffic, you know? (laughs) Wasn't that a Hitchcock movie? Rear Window? But it was the guy that was like sitting in his window and he saw like the murder? Or what he thought was a murder happened to his neighbor across the street? Hey, Maude, come here. There's a a suspicious boy. (laughs) (laughs) Was it Rear Window? Is that what the name of the movie was? Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, it's Rear Window. Okay, it's it's the one that they uh, that they spoofed on The Simpsons with with Flanders. 
Uh, the, yeah, the purple, yeah, yeah. the purple drapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I distinctly heard a woman scream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's Ned. <laughs> oh, that's just Ned. Um, but in um, 1894, a scientist uh, also began to doubt that there are any seas on Mars. Um, so under the under the best conditions, wow. these, these alleged seas that were seen were seen to lose all trace of uniformity. Um, and their appearance being that of a mountainous country broken by ridges, rifts, and canyons seen from a great elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And these, and as uh, te- technology improved, um, these doubts became uh, certainties. Um, and then um, it, it began to be universally agreed that bars possessed no permanent bodies of surface water. Right. Which we know now. Um, and like I said, uh, Mars is, uh, because like by the, by like the mid 20th century it was like a sure thing that there was no water on the surface of Mars in that fashion um, so Mars is also interesting to scientists because it, it sort of has um, it, it's sort of easy to study to sort of see what life would be like on Earth um, prior to, to sort of the development of life there Okay. Um, but um, because uh, for instance uh, Mars has a very cold climate um, and it lacks uh, tectonics um, so there's not any continental drift. Um, so you can. Uh, so Mars's surface hasn't really changed a lot in a long time. So the word plate tectonics that you just used brought back a core memory of when I was in seventh grade and we were learning about this in Earth space I get science it. class. A plate tectonics memory is a core memory. So, I get it. No, no, no. Listen. No, 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 no. This is where it's going. So I had to write this down. Okay. I had to write the word plate tectonics down on a piece of paper right. for my group. Like we're doing like group projects, right? Sure. Like, there's four people in my group. It's me, one other guy, and two girls. Okay, and I'm the designated scribe. I'm writing down plate tectonics. I'm in seventh grade. Scrivener. I don't know how to spell this. And also, to be fair, this is a new word to me. Right. Look at me. You think I cracked open my book and looked at, looked at this fucking word? Absolutely not. What I wrote down was platex tonics. Mm, spelled delicious. just like the tampon company it's <laughs> just like it and i put the paper down i was like i guess that's right and the girl next to me looked over and i swear she screamed dog she started screaming laughing and i was like what's wrong and she showed the other girl and the other girl started dying laughing and i was like what's wrong and they were like it's plate tectonics you absolute fucking eggplant like it's not platex tonics oh my god <laughs> Your, your, your textbooks were just supplied by the uh, Playtex company, so. <laughs> Dog, I was, no, it's the thing, I never opened my textbook. I just heard my teacher saying it a lot. And I know what Playtex is, because my mom's got these box of things in the bathroom that she uses. Right, so you've seen the word you before. Yeah, 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 I totally understand where you're coming from there. And seventh grade, you know what I'm saying? I was not, you know, the, the brightest bulb on a tree in seventh grade, so you know, no, all you these factors other together. You know? There were other priorities. <laughs> you didn't need to know about play tectonics, you know? But play tectonics, yeah, you did need to know about that. Dog, anytime that comes up now, it's the first thing I think of is play tectonics. I think play tectonics um, is like, you know, uh, like uh, Franzia, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry. <laughs> anyway, but but like I said, because there's a lack of uh, plate tectonics on on Mars uh, for a long period, um, at least two thirds of Mars's uh, surface is more than three point five billion years old. 
Um, so looking, examining Mars um, during that period um, and its conditions being similar to that of Earth during a similar period gives us a good idea of like what Earth may have looked like during that time period. Right. Sure. Um, so they have sent uh, multiple um, sort of like probes and and sort of like missions to Mars in order to find liquid water there. Um, well, we just curiosity. we just jumped quite a bit of time. I mean, you just went like a whole century. <laughs> you... well, I got to the I got to the mid twentieth century. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you that. We only jumped half a century then. So um, nothing so happened between the mid twentieth century and the probes. Nothing well, they 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 sent they they sent the probes in, in the mid twentieth century, but they mostly just you know took photos. Uh, like, like, really? Like oh, okay. Like I that. didn't know they sent them in the mid twentieth century. I thought you were talking about like the current missions that we've sent well, in the last well, like twenty well, yeah, years. The, the, yeah, like in the seventies and stuff. Because that's like when like Viking and stuff got there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's the mid twentieth century. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um. So, uh, curiosity, perseverance, and opportunity. Um, they were sent for the specific the three cardinal virtues. <laughs> Yes, of, of finding of, um, of, of finding sort of evidence of past life uh, on Mars, such as um, such as auto autotrophic, chemotrophic, chemo uh, lithio autotrophic, heterotrophic, uh, micro- microorganisms, and and also um, ancient water, um, and also finding uh, fluvio. Uh, Lucas Treen environment. Fluvio was uh, in the Sopranos. All right, it's just a character there. Which are which are sort of like the uh, I miss Polly. Which are sort of like floodplains from ancient rivers and lakes. Right. Um, that that may have been habitable. Okay. Um, and sort of like searching for um, sort of like so they didn't find stop. those. They were looking for those. Yeah, they're looking for them. They still are, which is part of like their big mission, right? Um, so uh, on searching through um, for organic compounds inside um, sedimentary rocks um, uh, on Mars um, is also of interest to sort of find um, sort of like fossils and precursors uh, for prebiotic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so these findings discovery that liquid water was clearly present on Mars um, and further supports. That um, that there was early uh, habitability in some areas, such as the Gill Crater. Um, but oh, currently, Gill, oh Gill. <laughs> but but currently, the surface of Mars is bathed with um, ionizing radiation, um, and due to the lack of magnetosphere, uh, the Martian soil is rich um, in percolates that are toxic to microorganisms. I see. Toxic um, to Michael microorganisms that we know of. You say toxic True. to Michael Bolton. I almost did. <laughs> All I could think of is the Homer meme where he's like, hey, listen, it's toxic to the organisms that we know of. Um, but this this makes them believe that if life does exist, it's not going to be on sort of like the surface or, or just below the surface. It'll be found um, in the subsurface uh, away from these harsh conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in 2018, NASA also announced a detection of seasonal variations of methane levels on Mars, uh, which can be produced by microorganisms or by other geological means. But if there's methane, then there is more than likely at least microscopic life. Um, well, possibly, or it could be naturally occurring methane from other other sources. It doesn't have to be like a living source to produce methane. 
Really? I don't yeah. know. You tell that to my wife. You know, <laughs> I eat beads. I'm a living source. I produce methane like crazy. <laughs> um, and there, there are currently plans. For instance, in in April 2018, the European ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter um, started mapping the atmospheric methane composition of Mars. Um, and in 2022, the ExoMars rover uh, Rosalind Franklin uh, was planned to drill and analyze the subsurface of Mars to look for Rosalind uh, Franklin. Is that um, is that the dark lady of DNA? Is that that lady? <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, uh-uh. I think so. Dark lady no, was of DNA. Yeah, it's Rosalind Franklin. Yeah, she's basically the uh, uh, the the thing that goes out in the book is Rosalind Franklin, the dark lady of DNA. That basically, without her research, we don't have this DNA's significant. Yeah, it's where like Watson, Watson and Crick like took all the credit, and that essentially and they, they, they were essentially a woman discovered most of DNA research that's available. And, and they're they're oh, also apparently woman. like like racist, <laughs> like sexist dickheads. Yeah, so. this woman, um, I can't say her name because she was a client of ours, but she was fucking fascinating. She was like a client we had. I called up their house because it was his. It was the client, the owner of the company's mother, and she called up and she was reading about Rosalind Franklin. She had like multiple degrees in like advanced physics and shit. And she was just telling me all this stuff. And I was on the phone for a while to the point where my boss came over and he was like, how long are you going to be on that call? I'm like, this fucking call is fascinating. It's not even a help desk ticket. She's just telling me I've I've added three books to my Amazon wish list. (laughs) This is amazing. Anyway. Um, But, but, but currently through gas analysis, um, they're they're looking at bars. Gas uh, chromatography. Looking for uh, methane content, and also on Venus, they're looking for the presence of phosphine um, to sort of indicate life. There. That's the new thing uh, in uh, bodybuilding, by the way. Phosphates. No bullshit. Really? No bullshit. Why? So, so your gabagools and stuff like that. You know, you're gonna. <laughs> but basically, like the idea that uh, you can get rid of post-workout soreness if you uh, and uh, lactic acid. Um, works better if you get more phosphates in your diet. You know what you could do is you could just drink some fucking water. Well, you could Here's have creatine. Idea. Here's an idea. Creatine. You just drink some fucking creatine water. Creatine is one of like three supplements that actually works. Creatine well, phosphate. Well, you see, Ryan, I'm not a I'm not like a cucked bitch, so I just drink pre-workout <laughs> yeah. monsters. Yeah, what I do is I, I like to drink we'll I like everything. to drink C4 <laughs> Semtex Turbo Fuck, which is which is great. You take one scoop just, of it, I put it inside, I mix in some jelly bears and some goddamn peanut butter, and I fucking down that shit quick. Then I, I run into the gym and I, I push I just, things around for an hour, and I go home and I beat my wife. It's great. I drink. I drink the Rocks Energy drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, all you got to do is drink water. That's all. Just drink, just make sure you're hydrated. That'll that'll prevent lactic acid buildup. Yeah. Just really creatine. Just the, creatine's cheap though, and it does work. It's like the one supplement that is 100 percent backed by scientific evidence. I just I, when people start talking about that, they're like, "Oh man, like I get like one of those guns to like do the massage to like you know, massage my the, just those, fucking hydrate you goddamn massa- asshole." Massage guns have a purpose. <laughs> to quote my brother, massage guns have a purpose, but they're limited. Like I have one, and it's fantastic if you have a bad knot. Um, cause you can just, I'm sorry, what? Uh, what? The massage guns? A bad, if you have a bad what? Like a muscle knot. Like if your, if your muscles really like tense or 
Dog, like time I up. thought you just said if you have a bad nut, dude, you and gotta you get. Cheat. Listen, every time like, someone if mentions cum, this episode, massage gun you know, on your nut. I do. You are I do. Absolutely. Usually, dog. what I do. Look, some people like to get kicked in the balls, <laughs> and I like to massage gun them. All right. You used to have to pay good money to get a guy to like punch. Yeah. Your sack now I just get the massage gun. I turn it on high, and I just wait. <laughs> I just imagine that a that a that a, that a moderately look, a, a moderately strong man look if you want to do mustache it, is working it over. You don't even have to hold the thing. You just turn it on. You put it on a chair and you sit on it. Bro, I swear to God, I thought you said if you had a bad nut. That's no, what if I was you like, have a bad wait, so anyway, what? if you have a bad nut, you can uh, you can work it out pretty well with that. But it does not provide a lot of direct pressure. So you you can't. It's not as good as getting a real massage, which is good. Right. You know, water is right. the first step to everything. But like at the same time, there's nothing wrong with those massage guns. Welcome um, to my TED talk. <laughs> so on to Richard C. Hoagland. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Richard C. Hoagland was born in. Um, Morristown. Jesus, we're going to go through his whole life. Wow, he was born in Morristown, really? That's a rich area. Yeah. If and you're April if you're on- if you're ever in New Jersey, by the way, drive through Morristown. It is a fucking nice area, man. Is but, it like, um, the, like the Bay Hill? Hill? It's like where Donovan McNabb lives. Like I mean, it's okay. like yeah. it's a big deal. Okay. Yeah, so he's born on April 25th, 1945. <laughs> um he has um no uh no formal education beyond the high school level. Um, even according to his own um, CV, um, he has no advanced training, schooling, or degrees in any scientific field. Um, he asserts that he was the curator of astronomy and space science at the Springfield Science Museum from eighteen sixty four or from nineteen sixty four to nineteen sixty seven. Um, he was the assistant director at the uh, Gangross Science Center um, in West Hartford, Connecticut, Connecticut from nineteen sixty seven nineteen sixty eight. He also claims. Uh, most famously to have been a science advisor to CBS News during the Apollo program from 1968 to 1971. How much of um, all that is true? These are all positions, Steve, that they clearly hire people who are uneducated and unqualified. So I'm not going so to call him a liar, <laughs> but we, we can say pretty sure that not not all that has been verified. Right? Well, we, we know that he was we, – we do know that he did work at the some of these science museums mm-hmm. um, because we do have evidence of that. But being a curator at a science museum does not mean you have, like, an advanced degree in scientists. That also you know? just means that we know that yeah. he worked there. He was selling fucking tickets out front. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah it doesn't the guy, make... The guy who, right, I got you. The, the guy who, like, the guy who, like, stands in front of the Betty Ross flag at the, uh, at the museum. Whoa, 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 like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The motherfucker's spinning the sign. He told me <laughs> a good story, and it sounded cool, so I believed him. They won't even let him fuck the flag. Yep, he's just trying Buddy, to fuck the flag. Let me tell you. Um, but I, I kind of feel like him saying he was the science advisor to uh, Walter Cronkite is like very much one of like those boomer like I want to I want to sound like I'm a big guy so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of say that I was tangentially related to somebody who was like really big like 60 years ago oh, and yeah. it's not it's not easy to like verify it's like something like an old guy in a bar would tell you yeah He's my intestines like, are over two miles long <laughs> you guys have never um, seen that know- movie that was a good dead man on campus the old guys in the bar yeah. that just keep saying oh, random things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, we do know that he um, that he was a popular planetarium lecturer at the Springfield Science Museum, um, and that he produced a program on 
on the 19, um, the, on the uh, Mariner 3 and Mariner 4 missions to Mars called Mars Infinity to 1965, um, in, in which he, he designed a room with special equipment to display the relative positions of Earth, Mars, and the uh, Mariner probes uh, during the trip, and was, um, and was after that contracted with NASA to relay the pictures of the Martian surface um, on a near-life feed to the general audience there. Okay. Um, which, which I'm sure will come up because, um, he's oftentimes like, he still comes up in like, like sort of like UFO circles and they describe him as a NASA employee. Um, and, and I think this is like the only time he actually like worked with NASA, like not working for NASA, but as like a contracted thing of like, it's like, yeah, buddy, you're going to, you're going to beam those pictures right to those people in Connecticut. <laughs> also the guy that empties the trash at NASA still works for fucking NASA. So it's not that much of a leap to say the guy worked for him, but his position was definitively not what he claims. Sure. Um, he co-hosted a radio program uh, for WTIC um, on, on the AM band in Hartford. WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut. Called the night of the encounter. Um, along with Dick Bertil, um covering the July 14th, uh, 1965 Mariner 4 flyby of Mars. WTIC. Wait, they covered it live? W-T-I-C. Like the moon landing? WTIC. Yes. Um, and local newspapers noted the radio broadcast to be history's first laser audio transmission. That's pretty cool. Laser audio? As in as in that the a laser from the probe was sending back Fucking, like sort of uh, fucking laser probe, sending back like sort of like sound and data from the. Uh, from I the got probe. you. They use light. I, I got it. I feel like it's wild that like that technology existed back then. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like Johnny. It's weird, wild stuff. Um, in nineteen seventy six, uh, Hoagland, uh, a Star Trek fan, claimed that he was um, that he initiated the letter writing campaign. That, su- that successfully persuaded uh, President Gerald Ford to name the first space shuttle after the Starship Enterprise. Steve, for Halloween uh, this year, you should go as Hulk Hoagland, <laughs> right? And just go around just screaming like conspiracy theories at people, you know? The glass, listen, the glass brother, on the moon, brother. Listen, brother. Listen, dude. Sidonia's <laughs> real, dude. Dude, the face on the face on Mars, dude. There's a face NASA's on run Mars, by- brother. NASA's run by Nazis, brother. <laughs> I, I want this to happen now so bad. I might invest in your costume. Hulk Hoagland. I, I'll, I'll go in half with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to cost us each $25. I'll go with Alex Jones. All, he need, all we um, need to get him to do is the silken hair of a Chinese man and then get him some, <laughs> some fake well, hair skin of a hot dog, right? Well, well apparently the, the theory is that, that Hulk Hogan's hair that you see now is, is like a wig in the bandana that it's not actually his hair. This is my real been, hair, dude. Because he's been going bald since like the, the early 80s. I don't So there's, there's probably nothing left. I I mean, if he doesn't cut his hair since the early 80s, like that wispy shit might be all he has. Well, left. you know, you he know. already had male pattern baldness. So that, that hair in the area that he was growing it, it tends to grow basically the rest of your life. Like, even if you go completely bald, if you don't shave, it'll grow out there. Because that's the area of your scalp that doesn't have DHT. So Interesting. Yeah, that's why you get male pattern baldness, because men have dihydrotestosterone, which just, uh, it, it, it secretes itself in that area and tends to make the, uh, kill the hair and follicles. So. 
dun, 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 dun. I'm someone who's been trying as some, as a man who's 40 and has been trying everything to slow down my hair loss, you know, and, and hair thinning. So, man, just do what I did. Just lean into it and shit. Nah, I don't have to I'm yet. I'm telling you, it is. Freeing. That's the thing is, I don't have to yet. I like my hair, and I, I have a big ass pompadour with sideburns. So you know, that's my thing. Yeah, I'm I'm getting there too. You know, I'll. I'll buy my I'll buy my Pittsburgh Pirates hat and then I'll become a hack guy. So yeah. Oh no. No, nah, I'll never do that. <laughs> I'll never do that. I'll probably do the uh, I'll probably do I the Prodigy like... lead singer thing at some point. <laughs> oh my god. But I kind of feel like though, just just for just like general health, like living in Florida, that if you're gonna like if you're gonna have like a shaved head, like you should wear you should probably wear a hat when you go out. Oh yeah. I just do sunscreen. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, put on put on sunscreen on your head. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I mean, because I have a bunch of tattoos. Like, I'm covered in tattoos, so I sunscreen my arms and yeah. stuff, too, because I don't want to spend thousands of dollars on these tattoos and have them ruined by the sun. So it kind of oh, yeah. comes along because I've had my yeah. head yeah. burned before after I shaved it one time. I got a real bad sunburn on my yeah. head. Ooh, bitch, let me tell you, I do not forget sunscreen anymore on my dome. Yeah, we have a friend who, who has to wear it all the time. It just, get, you know, just gets burned easy. The, uh, the, the aforementioned, like, writing campaign, uh, I don't think that it, like, Hoagland was probably the one that started it, um, but it did successfully change the name of the, the space shuttle from the, uh, it was going to be called the uh, Constitution, and it got called the Enterprise, which is sort of like the prototype space shuttle that, that didn't come into, like, general use. Aha. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, but in 1987, uh, Hoagland authored a book titled The Monuments of Mars, A City on the Edge of Forever, um, and he also co-authored the book Dark Mission, The Secret History of NASA, um, soon afterwards, I remember Dark Mission getting pushed on um, on, on uh, coast, coast to coast. coast constantly, dude. Um, and and Dark Mission was also ranked as the uh, as being like twenty uh, first on the New York Times bestsellers list on November eighteenth, two thousand seven. Yeah, me too. I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> me too, uh, buddy. Rich Richard uh, Grossinger, the founder of North Atlantic Books. He wrote that uh, Monuments became the most successful title published by North Atlantic, um, and that its peak had sold around 2,000 copies per month. Huh. Crazy. Okay. Um, those are, those are also, rookie numbers, honestly. It, it, but Grossinger <laughs> also reports that Hoagland uh, wrote much of the book while in uh, Los Angeles County Jail. Bro, I can only imagine trying to write a book with those little safety pens they give you and the little like <laughs> little note cards they give you. Well, no, dude, he was like he was white. They gave him uh, they gave him paper and pencils and an inkwell. <laughs> <laughs> he got a nice desk. Uh, um, this desk is made out of oak. I didn't ask for oak. Hoagland also ran a. Um, a website which is still up, but I don't think he supports it. Called the Enterprise Mission. Well, website. isn't he almost dead? Like, isn't he like seventy nine thousand well, years he's old? He's seventy seven. He's uh, he's outlived. Uh, Art. He's Bell. outlived Art Bell, which which he did claim that Art Bell was like was like a that his death was a suicide. Um, and he was briefly kicked off of um, Coast to Coast AM in twenty fifteen because he um, because he talked about uh, dark matter about Art Bell's show. Yeah. And so they, so they just kicked him off, like, after a Yeah, break. George Norrie is, like, at first he was, like, you know, pretty respectful, but now it's just kind of, like, it's totally schlock. But but they but they uh, brought him back, and apparently what they mostly do on Coast Coast AM now is sell uh, supplements. <laughs> super beta so prostate. They, Get your yeah, super they, beta they, prostate today. Have you pissing like a racehorse. 
you're gonna pee. Your pee is gonna be so pure you can make crayons out of it and use it for yellow crayons. Um, but the uh, the website the website itself is described as an independent NASA watchdog and research group, the Enterprise Mission, attempting to figure out how much of what NASA has found in the solar system over the past fifty years has actually been silently uh, filed out of sight as classified material and therefore totally unknown to the American people. Crazy. Um, he regularly appeared as a uh, science advisor for Coast to Coast AM. Um, yeah, me too. And he was, a, and he was eventually replaced <laughs> by Robert Zimmerman in July of 2015. This guy related to George Santos somehow. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. There, there's a lot of like George Santos guys, but they're just like not as like good as George Santos because instead of like defrauding their way to like national office, they're just defrauding their way onto like you see the- a radio show that runs from like one a.m. to like five a.m. Did you see the new one? <laughs> Did you see the new one? I I don't know where it's where he's from, but it's another Republican candidate that faked his entire thing, his whole resume, everything. It's all fake. Just no, recently voted into office. I didn't office. see that one. I no, will find. I will stop. find this fucker's There's name. No I'll find the fucker's name. You know, it's kind of funny because like some of these Republican politicians, and I'm sure some Democrats too, like they go to these pains to create like this like fake, this fake life to to make themselves like politically viable by just like actually like living that life for like a decade or whatever. But then these yeah. guys just just like waltz in there and just like, yeah, I did that. Ten- well, they're like stealing. Well, they're stealing money from like dog GoFundMe. <laughs> Tennessee uh, Congressman Andy Ogles faked his entire resume. He's is, not- is he one of those ones that claims he was like a special forces guy and he was never actually in the military or whatever? I mean, probably, right? I, no, one of those dudes had said that he was special forces, but he ended up being like, like yeah, like, it's Frank Dukes, like logistics manager or some <laughs> Frank shit. Dukes over here. <laughs> he guarded. Mm. He, he was actually he, he was actually the the night shift manager at the uh, the cinema. Most and, consecutive like, knockouts. Eighty like, seven, like the, like the most the most dangerous thing they gave that guy was not an M16, it was a fucking clipboard. <laughs> he, was, he, he, was the, he was the inspector at the uh, at the Burger King in, in, in um, uh, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. It, listen, the funniest thing, not funny, but like my buddy told me, he goes, you can always find the guys who are full of shit with regards to the military when they start talking about all the crazy shit they did. He goes, 99% of the people are were bored out of their fucking skulls yep. doing dumb shit. He goes, when the minute you get that dude that's talking all this fucking nonsense, he goes, just immediately cock your eyebrow. because it's Now, it's shit. not always true, but usually the guys that were in some shit, like, they don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's how that's the big thing. There's some dudes that are like just you know cock out twenty four seven. You know they're just like oh shot at damn my dicks out of my pants. You know, but it's like most of those guys. Yeah, don't but talk they're about also it. usually like pathological wise. Absolutely, like yeah. that exactly. Because something um, like being shot at in the middle of an active war zone is probably one of the most pants shittingly terrifying yeah, dude, things I, you can think of. And then you're I've, not coming back and I've heard. About that. I've heard from people I know that were in different branches of the military, and they've all kind of confirmed that like. You know, like in movies when like people like when they're like sneaking into the army base and the guy on guard duty is like not paying attention and like they just like sneak by like by going under the window or whatever. Yeah, like, I've, I've heard from multiple people. They're just like, yeah, that, that's 100 percent accurate. Like, oh, 100 percent. No, that's you don't. Like, who's the, the, the ninja? The ninja sw- sw- like snuck onto the fucking military base. That guy like dressed in a fucking ninja like outfit or whatever the fuck. And like, what do you, like he like had the whole base on like high alert. They couldn't find him. I'm like, oh, 
this is a military base. Well, well yeah, because he had his he had his Nimpo active, and they couldn't yeah. they Fuck. couldn't detect Dude, him. When you turn the well, Nimpo on, stealth assassin. Listen, those, do you think Naruto <laughs> is not real? But it's real. All right, you, you need to Fucking believe Ninja it. Gaiden over right. here. You, you know, to, when you that's can, the when, problem. When, is you don't believe it, yeah. When the when the Baka Gaijin yeah. and the American Armed Forces, when they learn to see without <laughs> seeing, they'll be able to truly defeat the ninja. Just the definition. Until that day comes. So anyway, Richard Holglin currently not supporting his website. Got it. Um, he also uh, he also likes to reference frequently that he received the International Angstrom Medal for Excellence in Science in August of 1993. Yeah, Ryan got that too. I think. Uh, which is which is I got uh, ninety four, not ninety three. Which oh, okay. is awarded, uh, which is awarded by the Angstrom Foundation of Actabolog, um, which is founded by Lars Jonas Angstrom. Fuck is Actabolog? Um, it sounds like a fucking villain in Lord of the Rings. Well, it's, it's oh, that at, sounds it's very in, real. <laughs> it's in Sweden. It's a it's an organization at the Uppsala University, um, yep. or uh, and also the Royal uh, Swedish Academy of Sciences. Um, that that make use of his like sort of memorial fund to give this medal, kind of like the Nobel Prize. Cool. Uppsala um, um, sounds like what you say when you add too much salt to a recipe. Uppsala. <laughs> Uppsala. So normally, normally this medal is given to um, is awarded to professors or students for sort of like um, like good discoveries and like good good scholarship. Right. Um, um, but. Uh, they they stated in in May of two thousand that although the award to Hoagland uh, was a mistake, um, that that he acted with uh, good faith and good intentions. Though after they they awarded to him, so they they essentially said like yeah we we accidentally gave it to him, but he, he's not really doing anything, you know like so it's like fucking it. it's like uh, what's his name Kramer when he gets the Tony and Seinfeld and they, they but they just yeah. never took it <laughs> back from him because he was nice about it like what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Exactly. What happened to you, Kramer? <laughs> Raquel Welch. <laughs> yeah. I think it was. I think it's also the fact that like they either have to send somebody from like Sweden to like get it from him, or they'd have to have him like mail it. Yeah. So it's too much trouble. You can't so mail like, it because so, like, of that. It's just, just like, crazy right now. They're just like, yeah, you just just have to keep it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> it's just like Whatever, the Amazon man. thing. Nah, like good. it costs us. It costs us more to get that. Yeah. Back. Unlike just unlike motherfucking Target. Who wants me to like drive the target to take back their bullshit? Fucking assholes! <laughs> Fucking assholes, man! Um, I am so mad about that. I wish there was something more I could do, but outside, you know. And here's the the new twist: we ordered a different coffee maker, by the way, uh, from Best Buy, and I was just going to get a refund on the one we got that was not good. And after ordering, my wife was looking at like new reviews. Apparently, this coffee maker occasionally melts the outlet in the wall. So I had to fucking cancel that one, and now I gotta go to Kohl's at some point. I feel like fucking just ugh. Well, well, if you just Ryan, you bring just some weed like, over. I got you, man. You know what? You know what you need to do is you just need to get that coffee maker, but you need to have an electrician come in, redo the outlet in the kitchen, yeah. so it's one of those like yeah, um, those washing machine outlets. Yeah, <laughs> it's the two forty. Yeah, no, I don't want that. Yeah, I just need the I just need the breaker redone so it can draw more amperage. That's all it is. Big bong, so simple. All you got to do is take a little piece of metal, right? Loop it around like the fuse, and then listen. Drill and drill. The I don't want to take a big aside here. <laughs> so it can't. So it physically can't. I agree. Try. You're basically holding. I it don't, don't want to take a big aside <laughs> here, but like buying a coffee maker is probably one of the most frustrating things that you can do if you're just looking for like quality and convenience. 
it's nearly fucking impossible to find one that doesn't have negative reviews. That like, I think do you want? Is, I'm gonna listen. That, I'm gonna give you know, because you, you can the coffee maker I have. It's it's amazing. It has the ability to do single cup and which one is it's, it? It's wonderful. Uh, I think it's a Cuisinart, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So Cuisinart makes a good coffee Tell maker. Tell me my house is going to burn down today now. No, Cuisinart <laughs> makes a good coffee maker, but it just wasn't looking okay. at that particular uh, brand. We, we were get we were going to get a Ninja uh, Dual Brew because we have other Ninja stuff, and it works great. We've never had a problem with Look any of it. Look at this bougie motherfucker with Ninja stuff. Okay, well, it was a Christmas. Well, it was right. a Christmas present. So, like, we got – I didn't buy it. It was a Christmas present. But uh, – uh, We are a Ninja household. But, dude, like, it's like if Honda, you can afford it. a Honda household. Right. We, we don't fuck with Honda. We Listen, bro. Songs. I've had a Keurig for, like, the last <laughs> decade that for some reason still works. And and it just – it's been spurting a little bit. So, it's like, all right, you know what? I drink coffee way too much. Like, I have three cups a day at least. And it's like – I drink way too much of it. I'm just going to spend some money on it, you know? So we went to buy this thing, and I'm telling you, dude, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, the only good one that you can get, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here, is this one called a Mocha Master, and okay. it is $380. It's like, I, who the fuck, like, I'm not spending that much on a coffee maker, you know? I walked through Target a couple weeks ago and saw the prices of coffee makers, and I was I was also pretty shocked. Like, wait, I'm sorry, you're charging me two hundred fifty dollars for what? This is this is honestly probably why like people are such big proponents of like the French press. The, the thing like, is, like, is well, I, well, I agree with that. And and when Andrew well, came well, over and and did the pour over into the Chemex, that was the best coffee I've ever had in my life. But I'm not fucking waking up every morning, boiling a pot of water, and slowly pouring water over coffee grounds into a cup. Well, fuck that. What am I, a fucking alchemist? Well, no. Well, well, yeah, but but like the French press, which is like Westwood. Fuck the French uh, press, too. Have you ever used one? It's a pain in the ass. You still got to make the water. You got to heat it to a certain amount. Then you got to run it yeah, through the it's press. Like 20, and it makes, it's like 20 bucks. It makes a cup and a half of coffee. Like, And it, and then if you want to do it again. Well, 30 seconds in the microwave. Yeah, but then if you want to do it again you got to take the french press apart get the grounds out wash everything off and start over fuck that it's almost it's almost like that uh that like simpsons like grinding grinding the lemon into your forehead like there has to be an easy exactly and there is you buy the really expensive technoform (laughs) mocha master you you, you take and and you look at that thing by the way tell me that doesn't look like lab gear Okay. You take out a small business loan. Yeah, you, you buy, buy a Mocha Master for three hundred and sixty dollars. Oh my god, dude! It's so fucking um, frustrating. It's like talking to Richard Hoagland. It's incredibly frustrating. Hoagland's <laughs> biggest claim to fame, which he's most known for, uh, was being a proponent of the uh, face on Mars. Yep. Um, so when the Viking one and two orbiters that I mentioned first uh, went to Mars, um, they they captured images of the Martian surface. Um, 18 images of the Cydonia region of Mars were taken by the orbiters, of which seven had resolutions uh, better than 250, uh, uh, um, or I should say 820 feet per pixel. Mm-hmm. Um, the other 11 images have resolutions that are worse than 550 or, uh, or 550 meters per pixel or 1,800 feet per pixel, um, and they're of limited use for studying the surface features of, the, of Mars. Um, okay. Of the seven good images, the lighting and time at which two pairs of the images were taken are so close as to reduce the number um, to five distinct images. Um, so you can um, you can see these uh, images currently today. Um, they're they're set up in the uh, Mission to Mars uh, Viking Orbiter images. 
um, which are on the Mars uh, CD-ROM set, and I believe are also available online. Um, and you can find um, you can find their numbers um, uh, from different sources. So you can actually like look at them, so they're easy to like check out. Okay. Um, and one of the images taken by uh, Viking One on July twenty fifth, nineteen seventy six, a two kilometer or one point two mile uh, long Sidonian mesa situated at uh, forty point seventy five degree uh, north latitude and nine uh, forty six degree uh, west longitude. Uh, longitude uh, had the appearance of a human face. Uh, when the hmm. image was originally required, Viking chief scientist Gary Soffen dismissed the quote-unquote face on Mars in image 035A72 as a trick of light and shadow. Okay. A second image, 070A13, also shows the, the alleged face um, and was acquired 35 uh, orbits later at a different sun angle from 035A72. Uh, the latter image was made independently by Vincent uh, DiPietro and Gregory uh, Molinar, two computer engineers at NASA's Goddard uh, Space Flight Center. So I am looking at the raw picture of 070A13. Where is this face supposed to be? Does it? Do we know? Or does, does, does like what you're telling me about describe like what it's the face? Zero zero thirty five A seventy two, I believe, is the the most distinct one. Um, but um, you can um, see the the face on Mars um, in the the famous picture if you just search face on Mars. Oh, I guess I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't need to look because Richard Hoekman has already figured out what the face on Mars is, and it's clearly it's, evidence it's one, of, of an alien civilization. But if you've like seen the opening to the X Files, oh, okay. and there was also a, a, an episode of the X Files that was yeah, like it's, around. it has nothing to do with us matrix matrixing things into uh, or anthropomorphizing just random yeah, things based it, on it's, light it's, patterns. It's it's gotcha. based on uh, which I'll get to. It's called uh, pareidolia. Yeah, pareidolia. Yep. Um, so these um, so uh, these guys uh, they discovered uh, two um, misfiled images. Um, which are 035, uh, which are the two ones mentioned, uh, while searching through NASA archives. Um, and the uh, resolution on these was about uh, 50 meters per pixel. Wow. Um, so so more than um, 20 years after the Viking 1 images were taken, um, numerous spacecraft were sent to Mars and made new observations of the Cydonia region. These spacecrafts included NASA's Mars Global Surveyor, uh, which which surveyed Mars from 1997 to 2006, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, um, which has been there since 2006, and the uh, European Space Agency's Mars Express probe, which has been there since 2003. Um, so these being uh, much newer um, sort of probes than the one sent um, in the uh, 70s, um, they're able to give um, they're able to give like higher um, improved resolution pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance. Uh, the the Mars Express uh, images were at a resolution of forty six feet per pixel. Because uh, remember, the less the less is better in this case. Right. Um, so by combining data from the high resolution uh, stereo camera on the Mars Express probe and the Mars Orbiter camera um, on NASA's Mars Global Surveyor, it's been possible to create a three dimensional representation of what would be the alleged face on Mars. And drum roll, please, it is... It is an optical illusion, um, <laughs> an example of the psychological phenomenon of what's called pareidolia. Yeah. Um, so after That's analyzing the data... That's definitely Occam's data, razor, too, by the way. It's the simplest conclusion. 
Well, yeah, and, absolutely. And and Gary Soffin as well. Um, he also uh, looked at things too, and like came up with like mathematical like equations and stuff that proved like that what they were seeing was not um, was not accurate, or what they were claiming to see wasn't accurate based on the information that was given. Um, so so he actually went down and like mathed it out and said like, well, it's not possible for this to happen because he's taking into account like the the speed at which the vehicle was going and the resolution of the pictures and stuff like that. Right. Um, so NASA stated after all this, a detailed analysis of multiple images of this feature reveals a natural-looking Martian hill whose illusor, um, whose illusory uh, face-like appearance depends on the viewing angle and angle of illumination. Um, there are similar um, sort of phenomena on Earth in, in geology. They include the Old Man of the Mountain, uh, the Romanian Sphinx, uh, Gaewant, um, the Pedra uh, de Gavia, the Old Man of Hoy, the Stack Levinesh, uh, the Sleeping Ut, and the Badlands Guardian, which are all sort of like rock formations that people say look like faces or, or, or creatures. Right. The Old Man of the Mountains in uh, New Hampshire, if I'm remembering correctly, and I think his oh, nose fell off recently. Yeah, it's, it somehow recently got damaged. Yeah, they cut off the nose despite the face, you know? Motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure some like drunk like New Englander like knocked it off. Yeah. No. 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 It's like way up a mountain. Like you can't get up there. I'm sure some drunk New Englander. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Ryan. Oh, oh man. God. There's. I always. I always hate when that well, happens. Fuck, let me show I, you what drunk New Englanders can do. Uh, how dare always, you question some, New like, Englanders, you fucker? They always have some like rock formation or something like an arch or whatever. It's like this. This arch has existed here for. For thousands of years, has spiritual importance to like the local Native Americans, and then some drunk, some 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 not even drunk, some dumbass tourist just like knocked it over or destroyed it, trying to get like a selfie or like trying to write their name on it or something. <laughs> um, to give an example of some other things that Hoagland claims and believes in, um, he has stated, "I was co-creator of the plaque on Pioneer Ten and Eleven probes that was a message to extraterrestrials." Um, Hoagland had no part in creating that. That's that famous, like, you know, like with Leonardo da Vinci's, um, sort of like depiction of man, um, and like the, the message they send out on, on the Voyager probes. That's what he's talking about. Uh, the records mm -hmm. and the, okay. um, he, he claims that the hammer and feather stunt of, um, that was done on Apollo 15 was his idea. Um, this is actually Joe Allen's and, and Hoagland had nothing to do with it. Um, th this was an experiment where they showed that a, a hammer and a feather would um, would, would fall um, similarly in like zero gravity. Mm, okay, I'm familiar. Um, um, he says he coined the phrase on the internet. Nobody knows you're a dog. Um, this is actually coined by the New Yorker uh, cartoonist uh, Peter Steiner. He um, he what? He claimed he, claimed he invented that. I'm the yeah. guy. I'm the first guy. I'm the guy that said that. What a fucking college like frat boy story hey you know that uh on the internet no one knows you're a dog that was me dog shit <laughs> i said that i first. said it i said it first and then people have been stealing it ever since if you go back in the internet wayback machine actually it's funny as we do have a friend who was the first person to put one nicholas cage meme on the internet and it became a big thing like literally it can be traced that's the right. only example I know of the first person to make something stupid on the internet. <laughs> the only one. Uh. Um, he claimed that the Juno rocket that launched Explorer 1 uh, benefited from uh, secret anti-gravity uh, technology to boost it. Yeah, me too. Uh, My he, God. Claim, he claims that 
he claims that um, that eclipses and uh, and transits, which are when planets uh, pass close to each other, yeah. that it call that it causes quote unquote torsion waves that change the inertia of everything they pass through. Uh, he claims that the uh, Abydos helicopter, this is too much. which is sort, which is sort yeah. of like this, um, this this sort of like uh, like ancient image that looks similar to a um, to a helicopter found in Abydos. He claims that it is actually a representation of a helicopter. Um, he claims that the Apollo One astronauts were murdered by NASA. Well, that, I mean, that's real, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that that's what I heard. He claims that they um, did it live on TV. That Saturn's moon. Um, Iapetus and Mars's uh, moon Phobos are, are both uh, artificial um, uh, constructs that are actually um, like spaceships. This dude just went uh, off the fucking deep end, man. He, he claims there are um, semi-transparent glass. He claims he can believe it's not butter. <laughs> um, on September 11th, uh, oh, no. 11, oh, oh no! Oh no! It was actually caused by a secret war between the Freemasons and Knights Templar. Oh well, um, that's control- not that controversial. Yeah. Um, who can uh, the Freemasons controlling the U.S. government and the Knights Templar right. uh, controlling the uh, the Hashishim, um, right. which include uh, Osama bin Laden as a member. Yeah. Um, so, so he's essentially saying that Assassin's Creed is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is true. Um, it is a real video game. You know. Right. Correct. <laughs> What's he, the problem? He, and he claims <laughs> that the uh, World Trade Center towers were brought down by directed energy weapons. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and and that um, and that the planes that were reported were actually um, holograms. Right. He says that um, that NASA has covered up uh, nearly everything found in space exploration mm. uh, because um, a book called the Brookings Report, which is a report made um, sort of about um, like things related to um, space travel and like how to deal with them. He claims mm-hmm. that in the, in the Brookings Report, it claims that knowledge of extraterrestrials would cause world chaos. Um, but the Brookings report doesn't actually say this at all. What does it say? Um, it, it doesn't say anything of that nature. Like it, like know. he's just saying like, oh, this report says this, but he's hoping that nobody like actually like reads the report. Gotcha. It, it's like a it's like a three hundred page report. It's it's not it's not like a short thing. Wow, Jesus. Um, he says that NASA has an obsessive, relentless fixation on launching. Only when any of five specific stars are at any of five specific elevations, as seen from either the Cape of Cape Canaveral or Houston. What the? But I mean, like, isn't that a thing? Like, don't they have to? They're obsessed with like launching only at certain times. I wonder why. Well, well, no, he's he's claiming it's not based on like weather conditions or things like that. He's claiming it's based on like like astrology, essentially. uh, Ah, okay, idiot. Because you know, like the the stars in their place, that's very much like you know your your Mercury's well, in okay, retrograde. Okay, level so shit. all right, so this all right, all right, okay. If Kerbal again, if Kerbal has taught me anything, like you do have to wait until your planet, because like you don't want to launch a rocket off your planet. Let's just say headed to like Mars. If Mars is on like the other side of like the planet, why not, Ryan? Because then you use more fuel to oh, get good there. Point. Yeah, but but you're like, trying to launch when you're at the closest point of the both planets elliptical, so it's a very quick but, trip. But, but the placement of the stars is not gonna is 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 not is not like relative to that though. Like okay. like I'm sure Steve can back me up, but like the the stars don't don't radically like like change. Re- yeah, relative. stars are static in the sky. That's yeah. how they navigate. Well, yeah, their placement they, they do. their placement is largely static, but you know. 
<clears throat> the way they appear changes over time because we're just getting light from yeah years ago. But but it, but it's not going to be like well you know we got to wait till the stars are there because that means like the moon's no be it's here. It, that's an insane like, like you theory. can't you can't use that <laughs> not yeah. to ma- you can't back it up because it fa- it fails most of the things that you're saying fail under basic scrutiny like it's not like you need a scientist in the room to be like shut the fuck up dude you know he um, <laughs> he claims that the uh, the, the Norwegian spiral. Which is sort of like the spiral uh, phenomenon. Like you could just write sci-fi, you know, or just you know try to convince me to buy certain coffee makers. I mean, you would just be telling me fictions, you know. So, well, you difficult. should try the the Norwegian spiral, which is my uh, new is that is that, is that like a type maker. of AeroPress? Because if not, I'm out. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone tells me to get the fucking AeroPress too. It's a goddamn French press that goes right into a cup. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he claims that the uh, the Norwegian spiral, which was believed to have been a, a failed like Russian missile test, um, he claims that this was actually um, that the missile was intercepted mid-flight with a, a torsion field weapon, uh, most probably by quote unquote Nazi-derived off-world. Ah, uh, there we go. In in order to intimidate Obama, who was accepting his Nobel Prize in Folks. Oslo at that time. So this this apparently um, succeeded in um, getting. Uh, Obama to cancel the Constellation uh, program. Arigato um, Obama-san. Which, which uh, sort of imprisons uh, humanity on Earth. Um, True story. I'm stuck here. Um, he, he, also, um, he also sort of another thing that he, he sort of comes up in is that there's a large distrust of NASA by, by sort of like UFO and, and like sort of like alien type investigation people because you know NASA are, are scientists who deal in like hard facts so, so they don't really like go along with the people who are talking about like reptilians and you know like UFOs and, and all sorts of like pseudo scientific bullshit. So, so the obvious answer is that NASA was created by Nazis, uh, which um, Hoagland is a proponent of. Um, he claims that uh, the first NASA administrator, T. Keith Glennon, uh, was um, had Nazi sympathies and was um, and was involved with the Nazis, but in actuality, there's no evidence that he ever had any Nazi sympathies. Um, and during his time as an NASA administrator, um, the, the Nazi, the former Nazis that would be in the space program didn't, um, didn't join until the end of his tenure. Right. Um, for instance, for instance, Werner von Braun and other, uh, similar Nazis, um, they didn't join until sort of the end of Glennon's, uh, time as director of NASA, um, and, and sort of doing the program in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, so... He also claims that NASA itself is actually secretly a, a defense program, which uh, or a part of the defense program, which it is not. NASA is a civilian space agency. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Space Act that was signed into law on July 29, 1958, that created NASA as a civilian space agency, he claims that um, in Section 305I uh, of the Space Act, it includes the words, the administration shall be considered a defense agency of the United States. But he sort of cuts off there because the thing that comes after that is for the purpose of Chapter 17, Title 35 of the U.S. Code. For those who are not aware, um, that is, in fact, what deals with uh, patent law and and state secrets. Got it. Um, Chapter chapter 17 says that an employee of a quote-unquote defense agency files an application for a patent. The commissioner of patents may keep it under wraps until checking with their uh, with higher-ups of the relevant agency to make sure publishing it 
wouldn't um, reveal state secrets. Right, so it's just to protect so, us against Putin. Or so Khrushchev. NASA <laughs> is considered a defense agency for the purposes of patent law. Yeah, and the purposes of like state secrets. No way, Ryan. Gotcha. So, so essentially, like classifying. It. That's just how um, they. And that's the same, just how they say. Right. And, and the uh, Department of Justice and the uh, Department of Homeland Security have similar wording in their charters. Okay. It makes sense, though. Um, and also, too, it should be noted that um, NASA administrators such as James Webb, um, they, they, he did a lot of work to, um, to assert NASA's uh, independence from the Department of Defense, keeping it purely a civilian agency. Because uh, a, a lot of times, too, people assume because, you know, uh, like all of the astronauts who went to the moon pretty much were all like test pilots. Um, they, they were all either current military or former military. And the reason for that was mainly that, you know, they're test pilots. You know, right. they're, they're experienced pilots, one. And two, they're the type of people that you can put an experimental uh, rocket and say, like, well, no one's ever done this before. You're going to be the first to do it. So we need you to, one, be able to do it. And two, we need you to be, like, mentally capable of doing it. So they generally went with these guys. Uh, yeah. Now, now because, you know, more people have been to space, um, they generally don't have to be, um, you know, from a military background. Right. Um, also, the test pilots used to, they just wild. It's like, hey, listen, we're going to strap you to this bomb that we hope is going to go really fast. Uh, um, cool, and, you want to drive it? <laughs> and while, um, and while uh, NASA itself um, has done uh, classified missions for the Department of Defense, 10 of which um, on the space shuttle, um, th- this was mainly a contractual relationship. It was not like a, you, you know, they were not like rolled into any sort of like Air Force or Department of Defense operation. They were merely contracted by the Department of Defense to carry out those operations, which mainly had to do with uh, like spy satellites. Hmm. Or it's believed. Okay. Um, so for this too, uh, Hoagland claims that he has evidence, and this was sort of like his last thing he was on uh, after a lot of his Mars stuff got debunked, which our bell would give him shit about after the uh, the queer pictures came out. Um, uh, Hoagland claims that there are evidence of glass skyscrapers on the moon, um, and he says that they are six miles or more high. Um, and he says it's evidence of like a dead um, a lunar civilization um, or aliens. Okay. Um, so his the example he uses is a 70 millimeter photo taken um, in orbit over um, Sinus Medi, which is a part of the moon by Apollo 10. Um, so the the crater that's that's photographed um, officially is the uh, Treznicker um, uh, crater, but, um, and, and in the uh, official photograph, you can clearly see there are no uh, skyscrapers, but in Hoagland's version, there are. Um, and this mainly has to do, it's been sort of figured out, is that he took a 10 by 8 um, glossy print of the shot, um, and um, he slaps it um, into a scanner, um, and then he uh, loads the resulting image into Photoshop um, and cranks the brightness to max. So what is that going to, I mean, it's just going to wash out the picture. It's, it's going to wash out the picture, but it's also going to sort of create sort of like these line structures in the picture as well that he can point to and say, well, these are actually, you know, glass skyscrapers, but because of the distance and the time, the quality of the photo, you can't, can't make it out as well. So he's being like willingly disingenuous. Cool. Fuck this guy. Um, and, and also too, um, because like, uh, he's not using it in like clean conditions, um, the image itself being being scanned and such like that, um, it leaves artifacts as well that sort of like help his um, 
sort of uh, claims. Um, and also, too, he claims that uh, that China's uh, lander that they sent to the moon, uh, the Chang'e 3, um, that when it started sending back images in December of 2013, um, he claimed uh, that um, that they also showed evidence of structures um, by mainly taking the images um, and running them through the Equalize tool on Photoshop. What was the name of that spacecraft? Uh, the Chang'e 3. Oh, I thought you said the Chunkla 3. God damn, they come Yeah, what we did is, you know, it used, it used what's called, uh, it used Abuela propulsion, which is a, uh, it's a form of very efficient but violent propulsion. You, know. you got to start with Frijoles. Yeah. The Abuela, Abuela takes one, the Frijoles yeah. and converts the Frijoles the chunk, into the chunkla, usable fuel. Yeah. The Chunkla is loose. Yeah, when the chunk, that's what they say over the mic once it leaves the Earth, Earth's atmosphere. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm when just Mother Earth ejects the Chunkla <laughs> into space. It's it's just one of those scenes where like they they like send out the nukes or whatever. Where like they they turn the key and some generals like. Where they're like, sir, it's loose. And he's like, may God have mercy on us. Chocolate like, loose. <laughs> Chocolate, what is loose? <laughs> we were, may God have the mercy on us. The moon shouldn't have said Dios, that to, the, to Abuela Dios Earth. Me. You know? That's right. The Mars shouldn't have said that to Abuela Earth. It wouldn't get the Chocolate. Talking that shit. Talk shit, yeah. get hit. Um, so it, it essentially, um, what it does is it, uh, it stretches the dynamic range of the image. Um, in- ensuring uh, the full range of brightness is used. Um, so it reveals. Um, so what it does is it reveals CCD detector noise um, over uh, one half of the image. Um, so the sort of noise pattern um, is sort of on the full length of the pictures, um, and it's only apparent um, for for half of the picture because of the uh, black backdrop of the lunar sky. Um, the the bright uh, the the bright surface of the moon obviously absorbs the this sort of um, pattern, um, so right. it gives the illusion that there's these sort of like like things poking out of the um, the lunar surface. Right. Um. He he on his on his webpage too, which you can read these on on the aforementioned website. He he writes these really long like articles, uh, talking about how it was evidence of these skyscrapers with a lot of like supposed like um just just like mathematical equations that seem like bullshit and just sort of like quote unquote research and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and um he also uh talked about this on the april 22nd 2014 episode of coast to coast am uh with george nori uh where where nori in in usual fashion didn't challenge him on any of this so george nori being like the prototypical joe rogan where he just lets people say the most unhinged off the wall shit and just lets him babble yeah and because nori's nori was really bad about that or i should say he still is uh art bell was was better about challenging people oh yeah um, he went and, right and also, up against them every fucking time almost and and, and also it, it's pointed out by some viewers of the images that you can clearly see the pattern in the shadow of the uh chong'e lander mm-hmm. um exposing pseudo astronomy uh, a blog Wrote, um, wrote on May 1st, 2014, they concluded that his Photoshop man- uh, manipulation was unacceptable as evidence and explained exactly uh, how he did it, the, the method I mentioned before. 
how did you guys figure it out? Well, see, when he sent us the photo, he had saved it as a PSD, <laughs> which is a Photoshop file. <laughs> we just we just we just we just took it back a couple times. Uh, when we opened up the Photoshop file, uh, we noticed that there were several layers on this photograph because he did every individual edit on a layer, and we just deleted all the layers, and boom, OG photograph right yeah. there. <laughs> It was not Mr. Hoagland submitted the file as hoagland.psd. Um, he's, he's also a big proponent now of, of claiming that uh, that hurricanes are controlled. Okay. That they, that they can be manipulated. Yeah, um, by firing a nuke into them. So he's, uh, yeah, so he's getting in, he's, he's getting in on all the grifts now. Um, it, it is one of those things that were, I kind of want to talk about this because, you know, like, okay. Mars is something that, that sort of, like, hangs... In, in sort of like the consciousness of people as like an alternative, especially among like the the tech bro, the the people who like still like Elon Musk and like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. Um, the idiots. Be- because because generally there's this sort of assumption that you know we fucked up Earth and we can't really go back on it, um, or, or that's what these people think. Like because because one it would require work and it would require sacrifice, and these people have never been capable of doing those in their life generally. So never. so so the. Asking somebody the saying like on a civilization level, you know, we're going to have to do with less or do without and in order to survive is like unacceptable to them. Um, So Mars generally gets held up as like this thing where like, oh, yeah, we can go there. um, But we really can't because uh, one thing we don't really know, like what living in like a third of Earth's gravity is going to do to people. Yeah. Um, Generally, we know from space travel, like being in orbit in zero gravity, it's not going to be good. Your muscles atrophy so severely; it's not even funny. Like these, some of these guys that come down from the space station after being up there for months, they they can't even walk. Like but, they cannot physically walk and support their body you also weight lose because like of gravity density and shit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's bad. Um, because like I, uh, a science fiction series, I'm a big fan of the Expanse. Um, one one of the sort of civilizations in the series is is like the uh, the the Martians, the the people who live on Mars. Um, and they're they're generally described as being like squat. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense because it's a third of Earth's gravity, um, but um, they um, that they have to take like different supplements um, in order to live. And same with the uh, the Belters, who are the people who live in like orbit. Um, and and you would like even then in, in this like fanciful sci-fi, you would have to essentially be taking like a constant like cocktail of of like human growth hormone and other drugs just to ensure that you don't like die from just living in like. Your, your muscle and body like atrophying to a point and someone for instance who was born on mars would not be capable of like ever leaving mars pretty much okay so i call bullshit because i saw the seminal film the martian starring matt damon and i don't remember him having to give himself hgh shots all i remember him is eating potatoes that he grew in his own shit and it was just fine check and mate i would i would say that it is possible for humans to live in space for a long period of time but we would have to unlock an ability to artificially generate gravity, which generally, in most cases, um, in, in most that doesn't come to way long, and, like way down the tech tree too. So it's going to take a while to unlock that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the, but in generally, the theory is that if you if you move, like for instance, um, like you'll you'll see a lot of um, spacecraft that'll have like a circular like wheel around it, um, and that's generally because if the if it's spinning, uh, the centripetal force will cause uh, gravity. It'll cause G's. And, and then ah. so once you reach a certain amount, you know, you can replicate Earth's gravity. Ah, 
Oh, so that's why they do that in space stations. I, I don't know if it's real, but I've definitely seen it, like, you know, in art and video games and stuff like that. So that that is something that is generally, like, we know is a fact. Like, you can do... I, I don't think they figured out a way to safely do it because of the speed that would be needed. Um, but that that's something that could be done. But generally, you're, you're not going to get around, you know, the fact that it's a third of Earth's gravity and that it doesn't have a magnetosphere. So you're probably going to be bathed in, like, dangerous radiation... Um, if you're not inside like a, um, a a structure that protects you from it or a suit that protects you from it. So I'm going to get turned into a superhero. I'm one of the X-Men. Heard. How do I get to Mars? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and also, too, because like I mentioned, um, Hoagland still comes up because regardless of what um, what what people <laughs> what people think um, that these cranks still keep coming up in like the conspiracy theory uh, spheres. And also bleeding into things like TikTok and, and Reddit. And mm-hmm. people don't really have the context for it. Like, for instance, I mentioned that they describe Hoagland as a NASA employee or a former NASA employee. When I said the only evidence they really worked at NASA was that that contractual work he did. Right. Um, so people are people are still seeing these things and they're, they're believing these things. It just goes to this whole thing of like disinformation and. You'd think we'd be able to move beyond this at this point. Mm-hmm. These people have been so thoroughly discredited, but it still keeps popping up. Have you seen Fox News? Do not even come at me with we should be able to move past this right now. Your grandparents are falling for dumb shit on Fox News as we fucking speak. <laughs> yeah, dude. We're, we're fucked. Like, unfortunately, once again, to, to reference SA, the internet makes you stupid, and it has made an entire multiple generations just absolutely unable to critically think. And this is where we're at. On that note, on that happy note. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go uh, call up uh, Sidonia Pizza and order myself the face pie. So... I'm going to see if I can unlock anti-gravity. Actually, i got to go return a fucking coffee maker. All right, see you later. (laughs) Bye. Later.